I would say that uh, we are, uh, in America today, we are in a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare. And just as that song says, the battle belongs to the Lord. I fight my battles on my knees with hands raised up. There's no better battle strategy for the Christian to be in that position when the struggles of life come. What a blessing it is that we can do that and be able to do that. And we are conscious of the fact that, that we serve a mighty God where nothing is impossible for a mighty God. Thank you, Father, for that. Brian, lead us in prayer, please, as we start. Today's message is entitled, uh, Are You Woke? Not, Are You Awake? Okay, but Are You Woke? We're going to look at that here in in, in just a minute. uh, Because we hear about that all the time in our society. But I want to start off with with something really positive. Okay, and that is Psalm 46. If you would like to turn there, that's kind of where we're going to kick this thing off. Um. I thought today that we would really start the message on a really high and a positive note. And Psalm 46 is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. I've got a lot of favorites, but this is, this is one of them. And I have I've used this uh, at many funerals. I've talked about this at many funerals. And... Uh, I preached out of it a little bit, but uh, some of my uh, favorite verses from Psalms are in 146, verses 1, 2, and 3. So let's, uh, let's look at those verses here real quick and see what it says as we kick off the message today in a very positive manner. Uh, he has it up there. Look what it says. God is my refuge and my strength. We'll look at that here in a minute. A very present help in trouble. Difficulties. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains quake at its swelling Pride. Some great, great verses there. 
our society and our culture are changing, are they not? Very much so. When President Obama was elected and he won, he made this statement. He says, I am going to fundamentally change society. Fundamentally change America. And he began that process, didn't he? And now with our president today, he has begun taking that to the far reaches of the world, if you would. He is really trying to fundamentally change how we live here in America. We are living in difficult times. Last, last Sunday, we, we used some verses, 2 Timothy 3, 14, where it talked about how difficult life will be right before Christ comes. And, and with the prophecies, yes, but just, just life in general, how hard it was going to be. And, and it was as if Paul, as he was writing Timothy 2,000 years ago, uh, he very easily could have been writing in the, in the local newspapers today, discussing what life is going to be like. He didn't miss it, did he? I mean, he hit it right on the head. That's because when he writes stuff, he is writing from what he is hearing from the Holy Spirit and putting it on paper. And he was so right when he talked about how difficult life was going to be. And you, we look at those verses there. And verse, uh, uh, Dirk, just go ahead and keep that up there for just a second, will you? At least verse 1 and 2. I just want to just look at that just for a moment. Because we're living in difficult times. And you'll, and you'll see there, uh, go to the next verse, uh, Dirk. Uh, it says, though the earth should change. Though the earth should change. Yeah, the earth is changing. Society is changing. Our norms are changing. Relationships are changing. Our values all are changing. But then you see at the very top of that verse, it says, Therefore, I will not fear. I will not fear. We see where it says the huge mountains will slip into the sea. The mountains of freedom, the mountain of truth, the mountain of love seems to be slowly fading into the depths of the sea. And yet the writer here tells us what? Do not fear. The waters of life are foaming (laughs) and going crazy, if you would. You see, we're beginning to have restrictions on our freedoms, aren't we? Freedoms of religion. The waters are foaming and, and washing away. And our freedoms are beginning to move in that direction. The freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom of due process, the freedom of privilege, the freedom to own our own weapons and our own guns. And the restrictions are coming into America and the waters are beginning to overflow us. And yet the Bible tells us what in that verse 2. Therefore, do not be afraid. Therefore, do not fear. When difficult times come and society gets darker and the freedoms are become eroded, what do we do? Well, we notice in verse 1, back to verse 1, Dirk. It says, God is our refuge. God is our refuge when the earth changes, when the mountains fade away, when the rivers are overflowing. 
It says God is our refuge. God is our safety. God is our safe spot. God is our shelter. God is where we need to run to when things are getting tough in our world. I thought about God as God is our shelter. And and years ago, I think I've I've shared this before, but I need to share it again. Uh, When we were living in Piedmont and we were living in a house and and April 30th, uh, the storm chaser said, one is coming. And as we looked out into the backyard and looked back to the west, you could literally see the tornado coming. And we got in the shelter. We got in the storm cellar. We got in the freighty hole. And here it came. You could hear it, the storm. You could feel the storm. And when we got out of the, of the, of the shelter, you could see the devastation of the storm. But the beautiful part of that is we were in a shelter. We were in a safe place where the tornado could not affect us physically. And as I read that verse, God is our refuge, God is our shelter. When the storms of life come and you feel it and you hear it roaring over your life, God is still our shelter. He is still our safe place. He is still the place to go. And when society wants to tell you you are wrong, the Bible says you are right. I am your refuge. The next part of that verse says what? I am also your strength. I'm also your strength. There are times in our lives, either corporately or physically, that we just get weak. Life has beat us down too much. And we don't know what to do and where to go and what to think. We're overwhelmed. We are stressed because of life. We are depressed because of life. And there are days I know that you wonder, if I get out of bed, how am I going to function in this world? And God's word tells us something there, does it not? He says, I am your refuge and I am your strength. I will provide the strength that you need in order to get out of bed to live the life, the Christian life that I've called you to live. You don't have to live like this old world because I will give you everything that you need in order to live the life that you have asked me to live through you. He is our strength. When you don't think you have the strength, you might not, but I can tell you one who does. And that is Almighty God who sees and hears and knows everything that's going on in your life. And when you are the weakest, what does God's word say? Then he is the strongest. He is our strength. He is our refuge. And he is our present help in times of difficulty. We wonder what to do or how we're going to do it. How can we survive here? He is our present help. He is not a God that's way up in the heavens. He's not a God millions of light years away. The writer says what? When struggles come, he is my present help. Where am I going to find help? God is our help right there. Therefore, it says, we do not have to fear. What a privilege that is to have that to, to have that fringe benefit <laughs> of having the Lord 
on our side, having the Lord living in us. And when society says, this is how you are to live, and this is what you are to think and how you are to move forward in life, the Bible says, no, you don't have to. I am your refuge. I am your strength. I am your present help. Therefore, you do not fear because I am in charge and they are not. How society goes, how the government goes, what the government's doing, trying to do, yada, yada, yada. Joshua 1.5, 1, 1, as, as God is speaking to Joshua, as he has just assumed control of the, of the Jewish people, and as he is moving into the promised land that they're not there yet, and he's taken over for Moses, and God gives him a word, because I can just imagine Joshua assuming this leadership position of, of all these millions of people. And knowing that, that God has a plan for these folks. And now he, he the man that's in charge. And God comes to him. And he'll come to us. And he gives us these words. In Joshua 1, 5. God tells him, I will be with you. I will not fail you. Nor forsake you. I believe that promise holds true to us today. I will be with you during the year 2023. When the culture is being changed. I will be with you. I will not fail you. Nor will I forsake you. I don't know about you. But that's comforting to me. That we have a God that tells us that. Joshua 1.9 kind of does the same thing. He says in Joshua 1.9. He says be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be discouraged. For I the Lord God is with you. Wherever you go. What a great promise. We don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to be dismayed. We get that way sometimes because of life. But it says you don't have to be that way. He says be strong. Be courageous. And I'm here to tell you as we keep moving on in this old world. And as longer the God keeps us here and, and through our ordained days. And, and as times get even tougher and tougher. Not to, dis, to, to depress you about that. But I want you to understand that you don't have to be overwhelmed or stressed. He says, be strong, Joshua. Be strong, First Baptist Church of Arapahoe. Be courageous. It'll come one day in, this, in America and around the world where people will have to make a choice. You'll have to make a decision, either before the rapture or after the rapture. You make it before the rapture, you're good to go. If you don't get raptured out of here and, and, and God and you're here because of your unbelief, and then you decide, well, you know, I better I better get right with the Lord. You're gonna to have to be strong and courageous because it'll cost you your life. The Bible says they will cut your head off because of your Christian faith. We've got to be strong and courageous today as we live out our life. God has told us to be light. In a dark world, has he not? And that takes a boldness, that takes a courage, that takes strength. And we don't get it from ourselves. We get that kind of supernatural strength from God Almighty, who supplies us with everything that we need. One other verse in chapter 10, 46 that I really like is verse 10. 
<laughs> and you see, you've heard this verse before. Cease striving, that's, that's my version of, of, but also is be still. Be still and know that I am God. We can work all we want to and stress all we want to and do all we got to do. But the writer says in difficult times, be still. Calm down, Don. Cease, to, cease all the hard work that you're doing in a sense. And just know that I'm God. And I am control. And I'm sovereign. And I know. He would tell you. What a crazy world that we live in. I hope that brings encouragement to you. Because it is hard out there. Two things I want to look at real quickly today. And one of them is this idea of being woke. We've all heard it. And are you woke? (laughs) Not awake. Are you woke? I found a definition of wokeness, if you would. (laughs) And it says this. uh, One who is very attentive to the social injustice of society. One who is very attentive to the social injustice of society. That sounds pretty good, don't you think? And, they, and, they, and, they, and in today, that wokeism, uh, uh, they put a heavy emphasis on the idea of racism, uh, social justice, so, social, in, that's hard to say, social, so, <laughs> social injustice, society evils, all that kind of stuff right there. And, and, and if you just look at that premise, it, it sounds pretty good. But, I mean, because as Christians, we, we don't want to have racism. We don't want believe in racism. We believe in social justice. I mean, inequality and the evils of this world. Well, yeah, we will condemn all of those kind of things. But we also know as Christians, change comes through a different way. Change in our society comes from a changed heart by knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's, that's where the, the idea of this wokeness uh, goes against what God has said. You know, uh, we know that, that change comes from within. We know that the heart of man is, is wicked and is evil. The Bible tells us that. Jeremiah tells us that. I've got that verse there. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart of man is sick. The heart of man is evil. The Bible tells us that. Real social justice is only possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way that we can adequately love people and think about people and not be so judgmental of people is through Jesus Christ giving us that kind of love. Mark 12, 31 says this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know, in a sense, in a sense, as Christians, yeah, we we might be a little woke (laughs) in one sense. We might just be just a little woke because we refuse as people to be prejudiced. We refuse to have discrimination. In, in a God-fearing church, there is no place for discrimination based on what somebody looks like. 
in this church here, we will never tolerate that. Never tolerate prejudice and, and discrimination against people that have different colors than you and I, different slants of our eyes, different thoughts, different kinds of hair. Because, see, the Bible is against those kinds of discriminations, those kinds of prejudice. Because we read in Galatians 3.28, Paul addresses this idea. He says, For there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. At the foot of the cross, there is no color. At the foot of the cross, there is no slanting of the eyes. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And and at the foot of the cross, we are all equal because we are all sinners who are in need of a Savior. Paul says, in God's eyes, we're all the same. We must avoid discrimination and prejudice. John, 1 John 2, 11 says it this way. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. And does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The Bible says if you are hating your neighbor, you've got a problem because God is love. If you hate your neighbor, you're walking in darkness, you've been blinded, you've been deceived. You better check your Christianity. You better make sure he is Lord and not just Savior in your life. The world will tell you wokeness comes through change. Through violence, through resistance, through protests. Through hatred, discrimination, and legislation. And if you oppose their wokeness... You are the enemy, he will say. They will say. You see, this idea of wokeness supports the things that God opposes. You need to understand that. Wokeness supports the things that God opposes. So when you hear that word woke, and I'm proud that I'm woke, they would say, they are opposing the very things that God says are wrong. You see, they support and God opposes homosexuality. He opposes the transgender movement. He opposes the idea that there's more than two genders. 50, 60, 70, they will say. God opposes that. Wokeness says, no, there is that many. Wokeness supports socialism. We'll go there in just a minute. Wokeness supports climate change like, like we have a say in what God brings to us in terms of climate Wokeness says, open the borders and let them all come. The Bible will differ with that. So as you see, when, when we speak of this wokeness, it may be a definition sounds good. But the philosophy and the agenda of this wokeness is against America and against God and in opposition to everything that God says is good. We must be aware of that. God tells us change comes not through violence and resistance and intimidation. Change comes when a person's heart has been changed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where real change comes from. Do you know that? How many people do you know? Maybe you don't know any, but I've come across some in my lifetime that have been in jail. Been in jail. And when they get out of jail and prison... 
I'm going to do right. I'm going to do good. I'm going down the path of rightness. And for about three weeks, they do. And then they begin to kind of stray a little bit, kind of go off and try to do and kind of, and all of a sudden they're back to that lifestyle. And you ask them, you mean you want to go back? No, I don't want to go back. But so many of them can't help themselves when they get out. They have good intentions of doing the right thing. But then temptation comes and and other things come into their lives and they, they find themselves back to where they were. And the reason for that is that their heart has never been changed by Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can change a sinner's heart. He's the only one that can change that heart and put a person down the right road of doing what they're supposed to do. You can have all the good intentions of the world. But until Christ has changed your heart, you will fall back to where you used to be. God says, beware of those kinds of things. You know, as we look around and and we see what's going on in our woke society, if you would. We see, we sometimes I think we wonder where is God in all this mess. But the Bible gives us kind of a clue about what's going on. And we can see it firsthand. You just listen to the news. You see, the Bible tells us, it says, God is not mocked. For whatsoever you sow, that which you shall reap, the Bible says. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap incorruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. And we read and hear in the newspapers, and I guess I'm just going to tell them, uh, tell you who they are. You look at Target. They have pursued the idea of transgenderism as the way to sell products losing billions of dollars Kohl's has started doing the same thing losing billions of dollars Budweiser billions of dollars because they have they have attached themselves to a, an agenda that is in direct opposition to holy God and when you go against holy God And what he says is true and what he says is right. The Bible says you will reap what you sow. That's not me. That's God's word speaking. And and, and a personal opinion that I have, I think that's why those businesses and others that, that are attaching themselves to those kinds of agendas, I believe will never prosper. Because God will see to it that he is never mocked. Never mocked. Second thing real quick I want to get to real quick. Is socialism. We hear socialism all the time. Karl Marx wrote in his, his great book, The Communist Manifesto, back a few years ago, that says this, that government must own all private, private lands. Government must own all the natural resources and must the means of production to make things. It is government control of a person's life. And we hear this in the news all the time, don't we? Socialism, socialism. And what it is doing, it is taking ownership away from you and me, ownership from private business, and they're wanting government to control, to have, to take over your land, take over your property. I was just talking to a, to a guy today, and he was talking about even in Africa they're seeing this. He, this family had 800 acres of land, and the government's coming in and taking 300 of it. Because they want to control the natural resources. They want to control private property. That is 
socialism. You need to understand that. Socialism also is everybody will be the same one day if we go there in America. Everybody will be the same. Because Karl Marx will say the problem in, in society is, is, is we have upper class, middle class, and we have lower class. And none of the classes of people get along. And his idea is to make us all equal. To take away private ownership. And as they take away private ownership, the classes will begin to melt together. And in his view, one day, one day, all the classes of people will be in one class. And we'll all be happy and get along because there'll be no class struggle, no class society. They say that socialism, they believe that socialism will... Uh, cause us to not want to work anymore. Well, you say, well, that's not a bad deal. You work 10 hours a day so under socialism, you'll get paid. You work 40 hours a day, you'll get paid the same as a guy that's working 10 hours a day. Doesn't fare about that. But you see, that's social equality that's coming together. Socialism will say, and Karl Marx says that, he said, religion is the opiate of the people. The opiate of the people. Religion is, they say. Because he would say that, that uh, religion controls people. Controls their mind and controls their heart and controls where they go. And in his mind, government should be the opiate of the people. Should be the one that controls the people. Socialism. Socialism. We hear about that. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? A few years ago, President Trump gave a speech at the State of the Union I think it might have been his last one. And where he makes this statement, in America, we will never have socialism. And if you saw that speech, the people on the right side of that aisle stood and clapped and applauded and go, Ooh, you're right. We do not want that in America. We do not want that. We oppose that tremendously. The people on the left side of the aisle sat silently sat sideline, didn't clap, didn't stand. And in a sense, they were supporting the idea that we should in America have socialism, where they take away our property, take away our guns, take away our resources, take away our religion, if you would. That's why we are having this discussion now, is because of this pull towards socialism. Socialism is against everything America stands for. Socialism is against everything God stands for. Freedom of religion. No, they don't want that. Freedom of speech. No, they don't want that. Freedom to do what you want to. No, they don't want that. You see, they will try to sell you a bill of goods that says socialism is not a bad thing. Socialism is going to be, it's going to be good for us. Because we're all going to be alike. We're going to get rid of all the upper class and the lower class. And what they're doing is they're taking away the idea of a work ethic. And the Bible talks about work ethic. And we are to have a work ethic. Second Thessalonians 3.10, the second part of that says this. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat. That's work ethic. Captain John Smith, when they brought the first Puritans and the first pilgrims over here, what did he tell them? You don't work, you ain't going to eat. 
That's biblical. Socialism says, we'll provide for you. We'll get that to you. What you need, we'll get it to you. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 and 19 says it this way. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting. To eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all of one's labor. We are to work, we are to enjoy, we are to eat from the fruit of our labor. Socialism would say, no, we will provide for you the government. In which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life, which God has given him. For this is his reward, to have enjoyment through his work. Verse 19, furthermore, for as many men, for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has empowered him to eat from them and to uh, be rewarded and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. It is a gift of God to work. To be satisfied because of the work and the, and the bountifulness, bountifulness of our work. That is a gift from God. Socialism will say, no, you don't need to work. Forget that work ethic. Forget working hard because we as a government will support you, give you what you need. Elimination of private ownership. Destroying the work ethic. Destroying religious freedom. Making man dependent upon government. That is socialism. And now you know. It is in direct opposition to everything that God has told us about how to live a life. What are we supposed to do? Well, I told you four things last week. I'm going to give you five today. Same ones. Same ones. You got these from last week, but I think they're just so good. What do we do when we find ourselves in this situation? We pray for wisdom. I don't know why I keep putting that first, but that's probably a clue. <laughs> we pray for wisdom. Like this song says, on our knees and our hands, pray for wisdom. James 1, 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously without reproach. Second thing you see up there, examine your convictions. Make sure what you believe, what you think, what you support are biblical convictions. Make sure what you believe is in tune with God. Because if you are in opposition to what God has said, guess what? You wrong and he right. It'll never change. <laughs> never change. Never change. Examine your own convictions. Where they come from. Is it biblical? Is it personal? Is it prejudice? I don't know. But they must be biblical. Third thing I see there. Commit to love those who disagree with you. That's kind of a hard one. Commit to love. And the only way you can do that is through allowing God to work through you to give you that kind of love to love those unlovable. Number four, commit to handle conflict with kindness. Colossians 3.12. People going to disagree with you? Yeah. Do you punch them in the nose? You, you take a two before after them? That's not the biblical way, I don't think. You'll be surprised if you'll just do what God tells you to do and, and get yourself out of the way in your own flesh, and your own desires, and your own anger, how he'll just work it out for you. How, I don't know how many times he's done that in my life. Just If you just do what he says, man, he knows. He can handle it. Because, you know, anything that you do, anywhere you go, my Bible tells me he's already gone before us. Clearing the way for you. Clearing the way. 
Go ahead, Don. I got it. I got it cleared up for you. My Bible tells me he's also walking beside me when I go through stuff like that. Giving me support. Hey, Don, I'm, I'm your refuge, buddy. I'm your strength. I'm your help. And he's also behind me guarding what's coming back at me. What a privilege it is to have a fringe benefit like that. Having a Lord that's before us, behind us, and beside us. You see, I want to lash out. The Bible says don't. Love him with kindness. And the last one I would tell you there that I didn't put in last week. Go vote <laughs> for those who believe in, in, in God's point of view. Vote for those who believe in God's point of view. Because they're always right. Our hope is in the Lord. Did you know it? When wokeism is surrounding us, when socialism is trying to be pushed down our throats, our hope is in God. Why is our hope in God? Because He is our refuge, <laughs> He is our strength, He is our present help in difficult times. And because he is all three of those to his children, that's us. Therefore, you do not have to fear because he is in control, even though the world is changing. I would urge you as Christians just to grab hold of those verses. Psalm 46. Put them to memory if you need to. Put them to memory so you know what's going on in your world. And the world won't kick, kick your feet from out from beneath you. But you can stand strong, be strong and courageous, Joshua 1, 5. Let God supply what you need during this time in your life. Rhonda, as we begin our invitation time. My prayer is, number one, for the message was, number to give you some knowledge about what's going on in your world. We need to know. Because you need to know the truth because you won't get the truth very many places. And when they try to soft soap that wokeness, you need to understand it is in direct opposition to God's word. And when they tell you socialism is a way to go, it'll be great for all of us. No, it won't be. It'll be great for one or two, but the rest of us, it won't be. Because it's in opposition to God's word. And the second thing I wanted you to know besides knowledge is... There is encouragement in God's word. There is encouragement. No matter what's going on in your life around us, there is encouragement. But you gotta you gotta believe it, you gotta trust it, you gotta have faith in that encouragement. And stand on it. That's the purpose of the message today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes if you would, please. As we begin invitation time. Not a salvation message, but a message of how good God is. I don't know how he's spoken to you today. Maybe you just need to thank him and praise him for his goodness to you. Maybe you say, God, you're not my refuge and you're not my strength. If that's the case, I'd confess that. Ask him to be. Let him be Lord of your life.